Hey, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be back with you again this week. I hope you guys are excited and happy to be here this week. Um, a good number of good-looking faces out there. Um, I guess not as many good-looking faces as I thought. Um, I better go and get my eyes checked. We'll see how it works out here, and we'll get... Nah, you guys look tremendous. I hope you're happy to be here. I hope you're excited to be out this Sunday morning. That's a little bit better, all right? That's a little bit better. If I give you a compliment, you can at least smile about it, right? Normally, I insult somebody. Um, you should so be thankful. You thought there was something behind it. You're like, oh, sure. What do you got, the, what do you got saying next? What are you going to pick on as well? Hey, we are in this series. Um, this is week two, so if you are joining with us, I encourage you. Um, if you missed last week, you want to go online and pick up week one of I Can't Believe. Um, this is a series that's really geared towards just reaching out to different people, all right? Different people along their walk. Where are you at in your walk? Um, if you have been a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you are somebody that is, you're there like, ever since I was born, I have believed in God and I've followed God. So when it comes to this, I can't believe, I, I, I'm not certain that I understand it. And yet there are other people, there are other people that they may have been born, gone to church all of their lives, and because of an event, because of a moment, because of something in their lives, suddenly their, their belief is shattered, their belief is shaken, Right, and you become a little bit nervous, and you're like, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I hold to that. I don't know that I believe that, and we become a little, and we become a little bit shaken in our faith. This morning, all right, we are going to continue on with week two of this series. I, I can't believe, and we're going to address a part of it, and we're going to address. Um, I guess I'll get to that in a little bit. I'll hold off on that a little bit, and we'll just cover why it is, what it is that we're looking at. We're looking at the Gospel of John. And in looking at the Gospel of John, I just want to remind you, and I said this last week, and I will probably say it the next two weeks as well. When we look at our Gospel accounts, be reminded, be reminded, we pick up our Bible, and this is what we have, and we carry this with us. In the first century, after Christ rose, they didn't have a nice, fancy book that had everything in it. As a matter of fact, they didn't have nice, fancy scrolls that had everything in it together. But rather, they had documents that individuals that were there in the first century, eyewitnesses, all right, that were there with Jesus, had written, all right? There was a person named Matthew, right? I, I mention this on a regular basis, I believe. There's a person named Matthew. Who was he? He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He spent time with him. And what did he do? He took the time to write, to write a detailed account. There's another disciple, John, which is what we'll be looking at this morning, right? Who spent time. What, what did he do? He took the time to write a detailed account of what had taken place. He wanted, he wanted people to know, this is what has taken place. I have been with, I was with Jesus. I wrote this down and I documented it. And there's a reason for that. We have it today. All right. Why? Because it was important then. And what did they all do? Somebody would grab onto it and they would copy it down. It wasn't just run down to um, Kinko's. Does that even still exist? How about over to Staples? It wasn't just run to Staples and get the photo and get, get there and just have them make lots of copies, right? It was, it was detailed. It was difficult. They had wax tablets is what they would use to write. It, it was not an easy process. And yet they wrote it down. And then hopefully if my mind works well, 
Jen, can you jog my mind because my mind doesn't always work well, right? If my mind works well, we'll come back and we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But the Gospels are written accounts by people that were there. And I just always want to remind us of that because 2,000 years later, we can become so familiar with a passage of Scripture. We can become so familiar with a story that we're there like, oh, I, I, I've heard this one before. Let me just check out because I, because I know I've heard it before. And uh, yeah, I, I think we're pretty good. So we always want to be cautious with that when we're, when we're thinking about, when we're thinking about the, the Word of God and how it is that we deal with these gospel accounts. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at this right here, which is up here, John chapter 20. And John is giving us the reason. Why did I write this gospel? Why did I take the time? Why did I take the time to detail it? John is later on in his life, all right? This is, this is later on in his life. He has written down the details of this, probably as a result of the fact that he has traveled all around the then-known world. He has been faithful in proclaiming a risen Savior. Why was he proclaiming a risen Savior? Because he wanted to go to jail? Because he knew that 2,000 years later we'd be talking about it? Maybe it's because he was looking forward to being banned to the island, right? He was, he, that's where ultimately he ends up his life. He, he gets banned, and, and as he gets banned to the island of Patmos, if I say that correctly, right? As he gets banned to that island, he got banned to the island for this reason. They kept killing the apostles. They kept killing these famous people, and the church kept growing. So instead of killing John... Emperor Demetrius just said, you know what, we're just going to send him off and we're going to put him on his own island and just let him live out his life and die there. All right, and, and that's, that's what John, so is that why John wrote this gospel? Because he thought, boy, 2,000 years from now in Conklin, New York, they're going to be talking about me and I want to be famous. Huh? Yeah, that, that's what he was thinking, right? He's there like, yeah, you know, all around the world, my name will be famous. Everybody will be saying, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Why'd they put it in that order? I thought it should have been John first, right? That's what John was thinking back then, right? No, that's not what he was thinking. He was thinking, you know what? I've got people that I want to reach for Christ. Similar to us as people here. We know people that we want to reach for Christ. John, telling people about a risen Savior. So he says this right here. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. So near the end of this, right, in chapter 20, there's 21 chapters of the Gospel of John, and chapter 21, he's going to talk about his restoration of Peter um, and, and all of, really all of his disciples, but specifically of Peter, bringing him back and saying, Peter, you know what? We're turning the keys of the whole kingdom. They're, they're all getting turned over to you guys, all right? That, that's what's going to happen here. But the restoration, but just before he writes that chapter, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciple, disciples. And which are not recorded in this book. They aren't, they aren't recorded here, but he performed many others. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Think about this statement right here, right? Why does he write it? He's written it because he wants those that read this, he wants them to believe. Who is the them that he wants to believe? It includes us. He had no awareness that it would mean us all these years later. He did not realize that, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the power of God, through what John documented and wrote down, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So when it comes to your life and my life, and we struggle with belief, we want to be reminded that we're, there, there was one there 
one there in the midst of life, going through life, not all roses, not everything taken care of in his life, not everything perfect the way that we might want it, not the big house, the big car, great health, but one who has seen death all around him, those that are followers of Christ, persecuted regularly, writes it down and says, he wants that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So let's jump back again. We are going to jump back to chapter one, and we're going to take a little bit of a look here as we just bounce forward a little bit, because I want you to realize that when we believe, sometimes, sometimes within Christianity, it's said that you just believe in, in, in nothing. You believe in faith. You just have faith that is blind. And, and for some of us, you were brought up in church. That you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have blind faith. Have blind faith. Just have blind faith. We've got to believe. And, and I don't believe that's ever what the gospel writers write about. I don't believe that they write about blind faith. As a matter of fact, the gospel writers write about the fact of something that they saw. It's not that they are writing back, well, we heard this great story then it took place a while ago. It's nothing like that. But rather, they are writing of what they saw. And, and one of the things about the detail as to what they, as to what, what they say and, and how they move forward with presenting their gospels is so that we will know. There's nothing hidden. They're not trying to keep things hidden. They want people to know. And Jesus wanted people to know. Right here, um, John chapter 1, verse 35. Um, this is after Jesus has gone down and um, he is, they have seen John baptizing. All right, And Jesus shows up and John baptizes Jesus. The little interchange that takes place between them there. And the next day after that, John, all right, this is not John the writer, not John the apostle, but this is rather John the Baptist, John the baptizer, that is this John right here, was there again, all right? He's there ready to, ready to, uh, ready to baptize as well, and with, he's with two of his disciples. And he saw Jesus passing by, and he said to them, he said, he said as Jesus is going by, look, the Lamb of God continues on there. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They ask him this question, where are you staying? And I, and I want you to see this response before we move forward with our, with our story today, what we are looking at today. Come, he replied, and you will see. Jesus was inviting other people, come and see. When we talk about belief in Jesus, it's not anything that he was holding back, that he was telling people that I don't want you to see, I don't want you to be aware, we're going to keep some things hidden from you. Rather, he was always in the public's eye. People were always looking to follow him. Wherever he went, he drew a crowd. When he would try to get away, what happened? The crowd would go and follow him. And Jesus said, come and see. As a matter of fact, a little bit later in chapter one of John there, there's, there's another occasion where the disciples are together. And you know what? One of the disciples says to somebody else, they're like, hey, can anything good come out of Galilee? Right? And the other disciple that's going to follow him now, he looks at him, he says, you know what? Come and see. Later in chapter four, when Jesus meets with the woman at the well, how many of you are familiar with the woman of the well? You're, you're familiar with the story of the woman of the well. Just give me the woman of the well. Do you ever think about this? You're going to get to heaven. Hello, woman at the well. Um, do you ever think about that? She's just going to say, I have a name. I'm sorry. It's, it's just an aside. I'm just trying to make sure you're still awake this morning, right? But anyway, how, how'd you like that if that's your name? You're just the woman at the well. 
I'm the woman at the gas pump. That's what I'm known as. Just that, that's, that's what you're known as. So, yeah, the woman at the gas pump. Right? Any, anyway, but, but at the woman, you know what she goes and says? When her people come out and, she's, and they're asking her about, what, what are you doing? What's going on here? She says, come, see, a man who told me everything about my life. See, the life of Jesus was all about come and see. There was nothing hidden. It wasn't, ooh, let, don't, don't come behind the curtain. You can't look behind the curtain. You can't see what's going on back here. It was always come and observe the disciples of Jesus Christ following him regularly. Why are they following him regularly? They are learning. They are growing in their faith. They're seeing everything that he does. And the people around them, they are invited. It's not hidden. However, some of us, we are still skeptics. Any, any skeptics here this morning? I'm sure that I can discover a few. I'm sure, certain that I can discover a few skeptics this morning. All I need to do is say C N N or Fox News, and suddenly I'm willing to bet that I've discovered some skeptics are in the room. All I need to say, if I really want to push the button and get you 2020 election, suddenly we have skeptics in the room. Correct. You don't want to admit it because it's church and we're not allowed to admit it, but it worked when you talk to your friends about it, right? We, I, I can continue on. We can keep going all day, right? Vaccination. You want to, right? There we go. Where, where do we go? Right? I, I, I'm, I'm causing trouble. And that, right? That we're all skeptics of things that we aren't certain of. I'm not so certain that everything that comes out of the mouth of those reporters on whatever network it is that we want to choose... I'm not certain that they're always telling the truth. I think they're skewing things in their way. I'm not certain that everything that is told about this vaccination is accurate. I'm not certain I'm going to hold to that. I'm not certain that there's anybody that shouldn't be vaccinated. I'm not certain that there's anybody that should be vaccinated. Right? Back and forth, back and forth, we become skeptics. Skeptics of God have just taken it a step further and that they're skeptics that, you know what, I, I'm not certain that there's a God. I'm not certain that I believe. I'm not certain that I hold the idea that there is a God. There is a reason in my life. There's something, you don't know what happened back here. How can a good God, how could this ever be the case? And we become skeptics. We become skeptical. Is there a God? Well, this morning, I want to take a look at a story of the individual that had doubt, and it's that disciple that had doubt. Thomas, right? Becomes doubting Thomas, right? That's how you become known for the rest of, your, for the rest of history, doubting Thomas. Why did you become doubting Thomas? Because you had that doubt. You weren't there night one. If there's one meeting that Thomas ever wishes he had been to, it's that first meeting after Jesus had risen, Right? Because if he's at that first meeting with the rest of the disciples, guess what? It's not doubting Thomas. Maybe he should have locked Peter out. Then it's doubting Peter or something else. He could take the right? But because I missed one meeting, my whole history is determined by the fact that everybody calls me the doubter now. So that's the story that we are going to look at. John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there. If you want to use your phone, you can bring that up on version or whatever Bible app that it is that you may use. But I would, I would encourage you to pick that up. You want to look down through here. Always be willing to follow along. Sometimes we need to even mark up our own Bibles so that we catch, so that we catch certain things. But again, the verses are up here as well. And the verses are up here just so that I can read. I can't see this. 
Can you hold that so I can, no, there we go. So I can, if it's not far enough away, I can read it. But right here, but right here we, we have the verses right up here. And this is how it starts. And this is on the evening. This is on that Easter Sunday morning. This is Resurrection Sunday, the very first Sunday of the resurrection, right? They've all shown, they've, they were all there. They didn't know about this. Nobody was outside the tomb waiting for him. But all of a sudden, there's a report that his body's not there. Peter and John, they run to the tomb. They look in. They start to scratch their head. They're wondering, what has happened? And that evening, all right, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked. John puts in here detail. Detail. Why? Because he wants us to know. And not only does he put detail, it's detail because he was there. He's writing to you just as an individual so that you know, listen, we were all together and we were scared. We were in the room and the doors were locked. And why were the doors locked, John? Because we were afraid of the Jews. Guess what? If they killed Jesus, they're coming for us. If his body's missing, guess what? They're going to think that we have stolen it. We've done something with it so that we're proclaiming his resurrection. We're hiding. We're fearful. We might be next. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He continues on in this passage. and He says, after he had, after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Think about this experience in your life when you see something that's so miraculous, something that's wonderful. What did they know? Just a couple of days earlier, they had seen their Savior beaten to a pulp, crucified, hung on a cross, right? Stabbed with a spear, and as they looked at him that day, his body must have been just mutilated, disgusting. And here he comes in. Hey, take a look at my wounds. Take a look at my side. And the disciples, Jesus, who they thought was dead, Jesus, who they thought all their dreams and hopes had fallen with, they had put all their hopes and dreams in this one guy, and they thought it was, yes, we are gonna, we're rising to the top. We're going to get our freedoms back again as a nation. And he was crucified, and their hearts were broken and destroyed. And after that, they see him now, and they are overjoyed. But John goes on to tell us, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples, um, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, this is Thomas' response, all right? So all the other disciples, they get together. Hey, Thomas, we have seen him. Listen to Thomas' response. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And maybe that's where you become a skeptic. Maybe that's where you and I step in. Because unless I see, unless... unless Jesus, if you could show up for them in the first century, you can show up for me in the 20th century. Where are you? Unless I see, I won't believe. Everybody, all right, all of his friends right there, the 10 of them, the other other 10 disciples, Thomas, we've seen him. He came in. He stood among us. Not a chance. Why did Thomas not believe? Is it because all of a sudden his world is, is changed? Probably, but because people that are beaten like that a couple of days early earlier aren't risen and living a couple days later. It's a simple process. Thomas is there like, no, no, no. I won't believe. 
If you don't believe, what's the real reason? One of the things we need to be willing to be with ourselves is we need to be willing to be honest about why is it that you don't believe. If, you, if you're there like, I'm not, I'm not certain that I can hold on to it. I'm not certain that I believe this whole thing. You need to be honest with yourself. Why? Why? For Thomas, maybe it was Jesus had shattered his whole thoughts. Right? Jesus shattered what Thomas thought God was like. Thomas thought, Thomas thought Jesus was crucified and dead, and yet he is risen again now. Uh, his life, uh, his whole thoughts, his thinking of what has taken place. No, 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 no. He can't be. He can't be risen. He can't be coming back to life like that. How could that happen? I saw him. I don't believe it. Even though you guys tell me. How did this story continue on? A week later, his disciples were in the house again. This time, guess what? Thomas had it in his phone. I'm not missing the meeting again. If you guys are all getting together, I'm coming with you this time, all right? Maybe a couple of alerts. You know, you've done that on your phone, right? You get a couple of alerts. I don't know how they worked the alerts back then. What do you, I, I don't, I'm not certain. They just had to remember. Tells his friends, hey, I'm sticking with you. Wherever it is you guys go, I'm going to be there with you. But Thomas is there like, I'm not going to miss again. And he's with them. Um, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. All right, I, I love that passage. I love that part because what? John is still giving us detail. John wants us to know. He wants us to be aware. Look, the doors are locked. Jesus just shows up. We don't know how. There's, uh, he's, just, he's here and he's with us. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, right? He turns and he goes and he looks at Thomas and he says to Thomas, hey, by the way, I know what you said. You won't believe unless you're able to see the wound. So, hey, Thomas, come here. Thomas, Thomas, come on. Put your finger here. Hey, touch the scars. Touch the scars. See my hands. Reach your hand out. Put it into my side. Thomas, listen, this is me. I'm right here in front of you. Stop doubting and believe. Sometimes Jesus shows up in our lives. He shows up in your life. He shows up in my life. And it's not that physical presence. It's not that physical showing. It's not that physical, Joel, look right here. Joel, here, check my side out. It's not that. But sometimes it's through a word, like the Gospel of John, who was there, who wrote the detail of what took place, the account of what is taking place. And Jesus says to him, stop doubting and believe. And what did Thomas say? Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas, his skepticism was changed from one of doubt to one that realized he has a Lord and he has a God. Why, why was his skepticism changed? Because of blind faith? No. His skepticism was changed because he saw his risen Savior. And as a result of his risen Savior, his life was changed. You see, the story that we read, the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right, the story of Jesus is not one that is blind. It was there. The eyewitnesses of the account wrote it and they talked about it. I said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus continued on and he says this to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and have yet believed. 
John is writing about future generations. He's writing about people that are going to believe right there, that have not seen, but they are believing the account. They are believing the detailed account. That is you and I today believing the detailed account. If you don't believe, what is the reason? In your life, think about it. What is the reason that you, you don't believe in God? Sometimes it's just right here, your morality, right? Think, think about this. Sometimes we become a skeptic of God, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. Um, but sometimes we become a skeptic of God. Why do we become a skeptic of God? Because if I believe in God, I've got to change the way that I live my life. And you know what? I kind of like the way I live my life. I kind of like the fact that I'm not accountable for my sin. I kind of like the fact that the thing, right? For, for some of you, it, it just happened that, ooh, what? Uh, I was brought up that I can't ever do this. Now all of a sudden I do that. Oh, I, I kind of like that. I don't want to change. And yet Jesus demands, he demands that we change the way that we live our life. Maybe for some of you, it's you went off to college. Maybe you became a skeptic because you went off to college and all of a sudden that when you had brought up, taught about the Bible and taught about the stories and taught about, hey, every, right, right here, take your Bible, read. And you, and you were there. And all of a sudden you find that professor there in, your, there in your first couple of classes, your first couple of semesters of college, and all of a sudden they throw some shade on the Bible. And you're there like, ooh, I didn't know that. Oh, I, I didn't know this was a contradiction. Oh, I didn't. And suddenly, because of college, you're, you're there like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I believe that. Really, it, it, it says that it, it, just the six-day creation? Hang on, I don't, I don't know. Is the world 6,000, 10,000 years old? Or is it 4.4 billion years? I, I don't know. And suddenly your world is rocked and you start to think, ooh, I, I don't know that I can believe. Thomas didn't know all of that either. What did Thomas know? My Savior who was crucified is standing here before me and invites me to put my hand in his, in his, in his scars. My life is changed. You see, sometimes, sometimes we like to just be the people, I, I just follow the facts. I follow the facts, and I, and I don't know about these facts of Jesus. I think people just wrote about them later on in life. You see, I was brought up to be a fact person, and this whole religion thing, that's a feely, feely thing, and it may work for you, and that may be good for you, and it may, may help you sleep at night and all that comfort, but me, I follow facts. As a matter of fact, I follow the science, right? There we go. Well, I follow the science. That makes me sound really good. That makes me sound smart too, all right? I, I just want you to know, if you follow the facts, you have got to do something with the first century of this world, all right? You've got to do something with the first century of history. Um, you've got to do something with all the documents that are written about Jesus Christ. You've got to go back and you've got to do something with Matthew. You've got to do something with Mark. You've got to do something with Luke. You've got to do something with John. You've got to do something with the writings of, John, of James. And you've got to do something with the writing of Paul. If you want to truly follow the facts, you've got to find out why, is there so, why are there so many documents, documents from history dating back to the first century talking about this Jesus character. Why? There are nowhere near the number of documents. The number of documents that tell us about um, Rome are less than 20. And yet no one ever doubts the Roman Empire, right? The number of documents that talk about, the, about Jesus Christ, over 5,000 documents of our New Testament scripture. Do we realize that? And most of them are dated pre anything that we, that we understand about, our, our, about ancient history. 
you have got to do something with that. You have got to understand why was it that in the first century there were so many writings about this Jesus Christ? Why were there so many writings about one individual crucified on a cross when there were thousands of people crucified on a cross? And why did this one last? Why did it come out? Because of 12 men? excuse me, 11 men that were uneducated were smart enough to come up with a scheme. The 11 men that they write about themselves saying, we were hiding in a room locked because we were afraid. Those men that were afraid, they had the boldness to go out and change the world. You've got to do something with the fact that there were people that saw a risen Savior. If you want to follow the facts, go back and study the first century. How is it that a group that started less than 100 grew to overtake and become the dominant religion in an empire that persecuted it in the first century. How did it do that? How did it grow that that when Constantine became the emperor um, a couple hundred years after Christ, that he wanted to unify the empire, and in so desiring to unify the empire, he made Christianity, that which was persecuted in the first and second century, he made that the religion of the empire because why? He wanted to unify it. You, if you are a skeptic of a risen savior, you have got to do something with that. It's not fun and it's not easy, but it's there. It's part of history and you need to look at it. And we need to understand it. The other one is another one that we'll take a look at in a few weeks. How could a good God, this is one that many of you may struggle with. How could a good God allow something bad to happen? Right? We all see it in our lives. You see it around you. We all have it. You have that moment in your life where, where your life is shaken. God, if you are there, how could you have allowed this? And our hearts break. I won't go into a whole lot on that one, but I, but, I, but I want to say this about that. If your version of Christianity says that all will go well with you once you trust Christ, that all the problems in the world melt away once you trust Christ, you got the wrong version of Christianity given to you. Christianity never set up that this life is going to go well. It didn't. All right? Do, following Jesus, will it make your life better? Absolutely. But do you realize Christianity was born, what I just said about the first century, Christianity was born with the worst thing happening to the best person. There was never this, bo- there, there was never this idea that Christianity in the first century meant that all is going to go well. Following Christ meant you were going to be persecuted. Following Christ meant in the Roman Empire that your life was going to be difficult if you wanted to follow him. Following Christ, if you lived in Rome, meant you might be food for lions. That's not an enjoyable thought. And yet the church grew. You see, how could a good God allow, is, is, is something that we struggle with in our lives. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is that we believe that there is a God, that there is a just God. And while there may be things that are unjust in this world today, and we can look around and see them, we believe that there is a day coming when there is a just God that will take care of all of the injustices in this world. And we want to be followers of Christ on that day. Why? 
because the just died for the unjust. You see, my Savior died for us. Why did he die for us? Because we were sinners and we were in trouble. We were struggling. We didn't need a new emperor of Rome. We didn't need a new, a new leader of the nation of Israel. We needed a Savior from our sins, and that's why he came, to save us from our sins. If you are a skeptic this morning, be aware that there is a God in this world, and we may say, no, 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 I, I don't hold to that idea that there's a God. I, I like those new atheists that you talked about a few years ago, or excuse me, a couple of weeks ago. Those guys, they, they, you know, they seem to make sense to me. Just remember, a godless world is still a world that is going to struggle. There is hurt, there is brokenness, and we all want justice. And what comes out of a godless world? Each individual gets to choose his own justice. You see, our God came that we may believe, that we may follow. He rose again so that you may have faith in him. Faith, why? Because of the eyewitness accounts. For each one of us, we must have a willingness, all right? A willingness to believe. Some of, for some of you here, right? It's like, I won't believe. I won't believe because, and whatever that because is that you fill in there, all right? You need to deal with that. You need to address that in your life. Why? Because Jesus came that you may believe. John wrote these things that you may believe, that you may know that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, a willingness to believe comes before. I want you to think about this. Our scars. Our scars lead us to doubt, right? Thomas, I, I don't know what it was in his life, the fact that he wasn't there, the fact that he saw what took place, whatever it is, right? But your scars, the brokenness, right? Whether it's relationships, whether it's health, whether it's friends, whether it's whatever it may be, your brokenness, your scars lead you to doubt the goodness of God. The scars of Jesus, they lead us to believe. After he said this, he showed them, right? He showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed. What? They saw his scars, and they were overjoyed. Then he said to Thomas, right, a little bit later, the verse that we looked at earlier, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. A willingness to believe needs to come into your life if you are somebody that struggles with that. A willingness to believe comes before belief. Realize this, a God who loves us when we were his enemy is a God we can trust when he calls us our friends. That's our God. That's the God that we have. A God that calls you his friend. A God that we can worship. A God that we can love. If you are a skeptic, if you are one that struggles with belief, I challenge you this morning, Continue with the Gospel of John. Continue with the writers of the first century that wrote about a risen Savior. Why? Not because it was going to make him famous. Not because it was going to make life easy. It made life hard. But because they saw a risen Savior. And they proclaimed that to their death. A risen Savior. Pray with me if you would, please. God, as we close our time this morning, we say thank you, Lord. 
that you are our God, that you are a gracious God, and that, Lord, you desire to have a relationship with us. Lord, I say thank you for the words of John that he took the time to write this detailed account. We say thank you that he's willing to include the story of Thomas. Thomas, who was willing to pull out money. John, don't write that story about me. I don't want the world to know that one, right? That wasn't the case, Lord. But rather he wrote that. Why? So that some of us here this morning that may have doubt, that we may struggle with belief in our own minds, we know that there is one that was right there. Lord, they, they all doubted. It's just they, some of them saw him sooner and Thomas was just there like, no, 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 I can't believe. And yet, Lord, you changed his life. Why? Because he saw the scars in your hands. God, for those of us here this morning that struggle with belief because of the scars in our lives, Lord, may we take a look at a Savior who loves us and took the scars of our sins on himself so that we could have life in him. Lord, help us to believe. For each one of us, may we grow in our life. May we be encouraged. May this message be something that encourages us in realizing, you know what? I wasn't aware of all that information in the first century, and yet God was there working. I wasn't aware of how the different, how the different persecutions came along and stopped people, and yet, Lord, you were working in the lives of your people. God, thank you. Lord, I ask that you would bless and encourage each one here this morning. Lord, that we may know that we serve a risen Savior who is able to do more than we ask or imagine through the power of that risen Savior in his church here. Lord, I say thank you for these people. I pray your blessing on them. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.